Well, good morning. I want to say a particular welcome to those of you who are uh, new here this morning. My name is Alex. Put that there. And uh, we're delighted if you're joining us here for the very first time. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We've been hoping you'd make your way here some Sunday morning. Thanks for being a part of things. What we're all about at Chatham Community Church is really simple. It's all about connecting, connecting people to God, connecting people to each other, so together we can engage our world for good. We hope you experience kind of a taste of all those things, whether you're in person or online. We're so glad that you are here with us. Before we uh, jump into what we're going to talk about today, just a, a quick heads up that today during the second service, at the very beginning of it, we're going to have three people baptized. We're super excited about that. And uh, if you, yeah, it's great news. Fantastic. So if, if you would like to like, hang out for an extra 10, 12 minutes into the second service, it'll be after the announcement. So early on, you can celebrate what God's doing in uh, these three women's lives, and we would invite you to do so. So uh, feel free to stay and celebrate what God's doing here at Chatham Community Church. We look forward to seeing how God's going to continue to work out his purposes among us. Well, if you're just joining us, we're uh, halfway through a summer-long series called Signature Moments. Almost all of us have someone that we know and love well, and there's these stories that sort of encapsulate things we love about this person, right? Their quirks or their personality, and God has his own signature stories, his own signature moments. So we've been going all the way from Genesis to Revelation, beginning and the end, looking at these signature moments between God and his people so that we might recognize what God's signature activity looks like and respond appropriately. Because, as we've been saying, when God's signature actions or activity meets a faithful response from his people, all kinds of faithful responses, all kinds of ways it can look, it unleashes all kinds of redemption, beauty, grace, love, truth, justice, righteousness, holiness, love into the world. So we've got two goals for this whole series. Goal number one is that we want to recognize what God's signature actions look like. Because it's not always obvious it's God at work, right? So we don't want to miss it. We don't want to blow past it. We don't want to resist it. We want to be awake to it and looking out for it. And then secondly, we want to learn what faithful responses might look like. What does it look like? All kinds of different faithful responses. All kinds of personalities. All kinds of, uh, I don't know, Myers-Briggs types. All kinds of types responding from all kinds of different places to God's grace, his love, his beauty, his truth as it comes moving toward them, sometimes in surprising ways. Now, over the course of the series, we've, we've been inviting you, y'all, y'all, to, to write down what are you hearing as we look at different scripture passages about what God's signature actions look like and what faithful response might look like. And uh, it's out there on the board in the, in the lobby, if you can see on the way out. And here's our word cloud for uh, the series so far. Now, people complain I put too much text on slides. But this is sort of a, a work cloud of what's been going on all summer long. The gold is God's signature actions, right? God is love. God is truth. God, is war God warns. God is king. God is patience. He corrects. He calls. He's got compassion. He is light. He's strength. And then the blue is signature response. What does it look like for us to respond faithfully? Uh, surrender, embrace, repent, contrition, consecrate, serve, peaceful, look. Here I am. Faith, action choose grief forgive focus we're gonna continue to invite our community to say what are you hearing from the stories we're looking at and how might we respond because here's the thing signature moments don't just happen to individuals signature moments happen to families signature moments happen to churches and church communities and so we want to be awake what is God saying to Chatham Community Church summer 2023 that might lead us into fall 2023 and beyond now one of the most consistent conversations I have with people is they're at a fork in the road of some sort, right? I, and, and they're asking the question, how do I follow God in this moment? Should I take this job or marry this person or how, how do I decide what college to go to? Those kinds of decisions and conversations, very, very fun. But there's another kind of conversation I have with people that's a little bit in the same ballpark. And that is just they're processing an event where they thought they were following God. 
doors seem to be opening, they're pursuing something, they're chasing down a, a job or a career or a, a big change in their life. And, they're, and green lights, green lights, green lights, open doors, open doors, open doors, and then suddenly the door slams shut and there's no explanation why. They kind of come to me often kind of a little bit confused. I thought God was doing something here. I thought the doors were opening, but suddenly the doors are shut. All I have is a big no, and it's clear I'm not supposed to go that way, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do now, where to go. Ever happened to you? Ever been in a spot where you felt like those of us who are, who are God people, Jesus people, are trying to follow God into these places, and then suddenly the door's shut, and you're not, like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Now, here's the thing. About 92.5% of life is covered in the scriptures already, right? Like, that's like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Walk the path of wisdom. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't commit adultery. Fight back the greed in our hearts. Cultivate a life of faith, hope, love, wisdom, courage, right? That covers like 92% of life, the things that are already available to us in the scripture. The only problem is that other 8% is really, really important. <laughs> what job should I take? What direction should I go with these different forks in the road? There's a really, really important kind of 8% where we need, the, we need the Lord to really speak to us. And it's especially hard because the consequences are so, so kind of high because the stakes are so high when you feel like God has led me down a road and then suddenly the door slams shut and I don't know where to go or what to do next. Today in the signature passage we're looking at, the signature moment we're looking at, if you feel like you're not sure what to do next, or if you've ever been in a place where you feel like, man, the door shut on me, and I don't understand why, and I'm not sure what to do next, we're going to get some help from today's beautiful signature moment as we look at how God meets people, even in the midst of the confusion and the questions of what to do next, when, when what you thought was going to become clear or obvious, what seemed to be kind of coming together, suddenly is no longer coming Together. We are in Acts 16, the passage Nick just read. And at this point in the, in the, in the passage, in, in Acts, uh, a man named Paul is just traveling around. He's starting churches all around the Mediterranean basin. And in Acts 16, at the, at the section right before Nick just read, we get sort of a, a, a preamble to the story that Nick just read about how Paul is sort of moving along and moving around. And man, there's all kinds of good things happening as Paul is traveling and starting these churches. Here's Acts 16, starting in verse 1. It says this, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived. Okay, so by the time Luke is writing the book of Acts, everyone knows Timothy. Timothy's a rock star. He's a celebrity of the church, a major leader in the church. This is like everyone who reads the book of Acts in the first century, like the first generation of churches is like, that's how Timothy got involved in the church. That's where Paul met Timothy. This is like a big day in the whole life of the church because Timothy was a great find, a significant leader in the church. What a great gift. This is a total win for the whole church. So they traveled from town to town. They as they traveled, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. Okay, so there had been a major conflict in the early church. So the question was, how do we have Jews and Gentiles worship together? And they had different practices and different kind of uh, traditions and different explanations and different understandings of what faith looks like and how do we worship together? And right before this, they had this big Jerusalem council. And there's a lot of conversation about basically the racial and ethnic and religious tensions and practices in the church. And they come to this great conclusion that is a blessing to the Gentiles and to the Jews. And so everywhere Paul goes, he's telling really good news. Hey, listen to this great decision the council came up with in order to be a welcoming place for all people to come and worship. That also honors the, some of the Jewish sensibilities as well as the Gentiles. So this is a total win. And at the end of the summary of all this is the churches were strengthened in faith. And grew daily in numbers. So Paul is traveling around. Things are up and to the right. 
Everything's golden. Everywhere he goes, there's like doors opening. He's meeting important people like Timothy who become major leaders in the church. Uh, he's declaring good news and people are becoming Christians. Everything is going, going, going. And we know Paul's a prayerful man, but we don't get a sense that he's conflicted over where do I go next? He's just like going from town to town, doing his thing, declaring the good news. And just doors are open, doors are open, doors are open. And then we get this sort of turn in the story. And the story turns a little bit funky here as we get to verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man, a Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding God had called us to preach the gospel to them. All right, let's go to the map real quick so we can see kind of what this is all about and where the geography is. Okay, so Paul starts down there in Lystra and Derby. That's where he meets Timothy. He's kind of going from town to town to town. And then he bounces up there to Galatia because he can't go to Asia. He wants to go to Asia, but the, there's this interesting kind of phrase where he wants to go to Asia, but he ends up in Galatia because he's been kept from the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, we don't get much explanation for what that means. Did someone have a dream or a vision like Paul had for Macedonia? Was there some sense, some compulsion that the Holy Spirit was keeping them from going to a place that they wanted to go? It was a reasonable plan. People of Asia needed churches. There's no churches anywhere. So everywhere Paul goes, there's starting new ground. And people there need his gifts and need, need the things he's talking about. And they need a church. So Paul goes to Asia. That makes a lot of sense, right? So he's going to this place. He wants to go to this place. And the Spirit prevents him from going to Asia. So he bounces up a little bit further north. And they pivot north to, to, to Bithynia and Pontus. And there's this place where he's stuck. Again, door number two, he gets an even stronger conviction here at this place that the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to enter into this place. Two places where they wanted to go. Two places that seemed perfectly reasonable to go. Two places with good work that needed Paul's good news of Jesus, that needed good news to strengthen the churches, to build up churches, to start new churches. Two good things for Paul to do that Paul wants to do, and God will not get on board with Paul's perfectly reasonable plan. Let me ask you something. You ever had perfectly reasonable plans before? You ever have a perfectly reasonable plan that God, for whatever reason, doesn't get on board with? won't get on board with, kind of actually seems to actively work against. What do you do when God won't get on board with your perfectly reasonable plans? This is such a ubiquitous experience all throughout the scriptures. It's worth noting as a signature action. This is a signature activity that God sometimes, not always, closes doors and refuses to get on board with our perfectly reasonable plans. Paul's got good plans. It makes sense. And yet the door is shut for no apparent reason. And one question is, how do you respond? What do you do when God won't get on board with your perfectly reasonable plans? Now, one thing that I've done at points in my foolishness is I have tried to ignore the fact that God's not getting on board with my perfectly reasonable plans. Push through, right? Push through. I got plans. These make sense. I can justify. I can rationalize. Of course, I mean, of course, this is a good thing to do. And of course, God would want to get on board with it. Maybe I'm mishearing or maybe, maybe this is important enough that I can just go through and do it anyway. And maybe, I wouldn't quite say it this way, but maybe I know better than God. Have you ever tried to push through God's no to you before? 
How'd that work out for you? Yeah, me too. George MacDonald, writing in the 1800s, uh, the guy who influenced C.S. Lewis, he's got this great quote. He says, in everything a person, I'm going to summarize it, in everything a person tries to do without God, apart from God, they must either fail miserably or succeed even more miserably. In everything we try to do without God, we must either fail miserably, that's a gift of grace, or we succeed more miserably because we think we don't need God to succeed and continue on our path. Later in one of his letters, Paul is going to write to the church at Galatia, actually one of the places, one of the churches he starts in, in these journeys. He's going to tell them to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing. You can be a Christian, a Jesus follower, and resist the Holy Spirit, can't you? Get out of step with the Holy Spirit. Push away the Holy Spirit. My friends, when you're out of step with the Spirit, you are grinding the gears of the universe, the spiritual universe God's put in your life and nested you into, no matter how reasonable your plans seem to be. When you're out of step with the Holy Spirit, when you're resisting the Spirit, when you're pushing back against the Spirit, you are grinding the spiritual gears of the universe that God has woven you into. No matter how reasonable your plans seem to be, Paul refuses to do this. Paul refuses to kind of push through or resist the Spirit's resistance. He is going to submit to the Holy Spirit's direction, even if it doesn't make sense, and even if it goes against his perfectly reasonable plan. So here's what Paul and his companions continue to do. They continue to travel by way of Mysia, go on down to Troas. Only here in Troas, they may be a little bit less confident. Troas is the place where you go when you don't know what to do next. Troas is this waiting place. All, he, all they know at this point is what God said no to. They don't know what God has said yes to yet. Right? All they know is that God has said, don't go here, don't go here, don't go here. They don't know where to go next. Troas, my friends, is the place where obedience to God and keeping in step with the Spirit leads us to uncertainty and waiting. Troas is the place where I'm following God, I'm following God, I'm following God, and now I don't know where to follow God to. All I know is what God has said no to, not what he has said yes to quite yet. You ever visited places kind of like Troas before? Where you're kind of not quite sure what's next, what God has for you next, where to go next. Some of you, like, aren't God people, aren't Jesus people, we're so glad you're here. But for those of us who are trying to follow God, trying to walk with God, sometimes we come to these crossroads or these places where, gosh, I don't know what God has for me next. And how we hold ourselves, how we conduct ourselves at Troas is so important for the signature moment. Because this is such a kind of an ongoing experience that so many of us have. I've visited Troas a couple times before, and here's the signature, right? God's signature is sometimes he doesn't get on board with our perfectly reasonable plans, but the signature of faithfulness, the signature response is a prayerful, expectant, trusting, even after our reasonable plans are disappointed. This is where God invites us to trust and to wait. Even if all you know is God's no, and you're not sure where he's opening, what doors he's opening up yet, are you willing to trust and wait, even after your perfectly reasonable plans are disappointed? I've visited Troas a couple times, like, not physically. I've been there a couple places where I feel like God says no, God says no, God says no, and the place where I get to is not especially pleasant. I pout, self-pitying, I'm frustrated with God sometimes. I don't have the spiritual gift of patience, okay? Not my spiritual gift. And so sometimes I find myself at Troas where all I know is God said no to this, God said no to this, God said no to this, and I'm like, okay, God, I don't even know what gifts. I'm not sure what you want me 
to do. And the place of Troas, where I'm trying to remain prayerful and expectant and patient, that's where God has done some of his deepest work in me, to purify me, right? humble me, to deepen me, to slow me down, to invite me into patience and waiting on him and trusting in him. Paul and his companions hang out in Troas. We don't know how long they're there for. Could be, could be days, could be weeks, could even be months. We talked last week about how Acts is famously hard to nail down how much time elapses between stories. But eventually, Paul gets sort of this vision, this answer as he's waiting. This is his yes after two no's in a row. He has a vision of the man of Macedonia. Come over to Macedonia and help us, my friends. So, so some good news for us at Troas. While you're waiting, while you're at that place of uncertainty, what's next? God shows up. God's signature is he directs us. When we wait and work and submit to the no, patiently. Because as we like to say around here every so often, God's no always serves as larger yes. God's no always serves as larger yes. God's no always serves as larger yes to us in Jesus. So God's signature activity is as we wait and as we process even our disappointment with the no-shows and the doors closed and what's going on and why is this happening, we wait for patience, and God eventually directs us, gives us some steps, small steps, opens doors, at least a next step. Even if he doesn't show us all the steps, he begins to make a step clearer as we trust in him and wait in him at Troas. Even anytime God says no, it's always there to serve his larger yes, especially when he's got particular and specific work for us to do, which here he clearly does have for Paul and his companions at Troas. So, he gets this vision, right, this dream, come over to here to help us, here to Macedonia. So Paul sets out, and what we get here is that Paul ends up at Philippi, uh, a Roman colony, leading city, that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there for several days. All right, so here's a little Bible nerd moment. Paul lands here at Philippi. He hangs out here in Philippi. Many, many years later, Paul's going to write a letter to the church at Philippi called Philippians. The church that he's going to start here on this journey, on this travel, is going to become a beloved church. Do you know what sort of the book of Philippians, do you know what one of the constant themes of Philippians is? One of the major themes of the whole book of Philippians is? The major theme of the whole book of Philippians is joy and community and how much Paul rejoices over the Philippians. What a blessing they are to him. What a gift they are to him. Now, Paul loved all his churches, but the, the, the church at Philippi was particularly a source of encouragement and sort of, and, and sort of fat, spurring him on. Many years from now, Paul is going to be arrested, flogged, shipwrecked, beaten. He's going to be going through all kinds of, like, his name's going to be thrown through the dirt. People are going to be talking all kinds of trash about him. All, he's going to be in some of the darkest, most miserable places in his entire life. And you know what a source of encouragement is going to come from? Right here. The church at Philippi. Paul doesn't even want to be at Philippi. He wants to be other places. But you know what? God redirects him to a church and a group of friends, a fellowship that he doesn't even know he's going to need years from now. But God knows. God knows how much he's going to need the Philippians. And so God redirects Paul away from his perfectly reasonable plans to God's better plan to connect him with a group of people. That are going to help buoy him through some of his darkest days. Every time God says no, it's always there to serve his larger yes. The yes to Paul here is the church of Philippi and this community of friends. They're going to help carry him through some difficult days. But wait, there's more. The story continues to unfold. Verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. 
We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. That probably means she was a convert to Judaism. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay in my house. And she persuaded us. Now, many of us around here, here in the great state of North Carolina, are moderately to massively obsessed with college basketball. Now, if you're not a college basketball fan, two things. One, of course, I will pray for you, for the Lord to help you. Soften your heart. And the second thing is, uh, you might not know about a shot called a bank shot. So a bank shot, uh, particularly from long distance, is when you shoot the ball and it bounces off the backboard and it goes through the net, right? So a bank shot, particularly for a long distance shot, is kind of frowned upon because it's not nearly as elegant as a shot that goes straight in. So a bank shot is sort of like, it's considered a lucky shot, basically, if it, if it, if it kind of banks in off the backboard. Bank shot. Now, while it's frowned upon in college, in college and professional basketball circles, apparently God really loves bank shots because what God is doing here with Paul and Lydia here in this whole setup is a beautiful picture of a bank shot. Let's talk about Lydia. So Paul goes out there, right? He's at, he's at the city of Philippi, goes out of the city gates. By this river, there's a place of prayer on the Sabbath. That's the Jewish holy day on Saturday. There's a group of women there praying and gathering. One of them is named Lydia, and Lydia responds to Paul's message, and she becomes a Christian. Here's why Lydia is so important in the scriptures, in the book of Acts. Lydia is the very first Christian convert in the whole continent of Europe. Europe, not heard of that place. It's a continent. A lot of churches end up being there. All kinds of, all kinds of stuff gets worked out in the continent of Europe, the church of Europe, all kinds of theology gets worked out, the continent of Europe, the church of Europe. The church of Europe isn't the only hub, but it's one of the main hubs where it's sort of theological reflection, life of the church, all the stuff gets worked out. God does all kinds of things to the church in Europe. Lydia is the place where this whole thing gets started. In Philippi, the place Paul didn't want to go, but God had a plan. Because his yes always serves as larger no. Because God's plan is better than Paul's perfectly reasonable plan. And he's going to start a church in Europe. Lydia, this woman, is the first convert in the church in Europe. Not bad for a day's work for Paul. Starting the church in Europe that he didn't want to come to to begin with. But wait, there's still more. Lydia is a dealer in purple cloth. Dealing purple cloth means that's a luxury item. That means Lydia was probably a wealthy merchant. She was a wealthy businesswoman in a time when there weren't that many business women. But she's a, clearly a leader. She clearly has finances and means. She gets baptized. Her whole, her whole household gets baptized with her. That means she's got servants. That means she is the queen of the house. She's the head of the house. She is running the show. She's got all kinds of wealth, and she's got all kinds of connections. She's a woman of means. And also, we also get this delightful little detail that Lydia was from the city of Thyatira. Now, anyone, can anyone guess where Thyatira might be located? Right there in the heart of Asia. The place that Paul wanted to go and the spirit wouldn't let him go is the place where Lydia is from. That's where her family is. She probably has business dealings there and business connections there. Right there in Thyatira in the heart of Asia. Many years later, the Apostle John will write a letter called Revelation, famously hard to decipher, 
he writes specifically to several different churches. And one of those churches is the church at Thyatira. Now, we don't know how the church at Thyatira got started. It's not far from Ephesus there. You can see that. So it could have been Paul eventually gets to Ephesus and starts a church. It could have been started out of Ephesus. But also, one of the commentaries I read said that we know that Lydia had some significant influence at the church in Thyatira. She's got family there. She's got friends there. Who's going to be heard better to her friends and family in Thyatira, a random guy traveling through the town or a local, well-respected businesswoman who has all his family and all his friends and all his networks there in Thyatira. Bank shot. Paul wanted to reach Asia. God wanted to reach Asia and Europe. He's going to do that through a woman named Lydia who's got all kinds of connections in Europe and in Asia. God is, God is going to do something. He loves Asia. He's got a heart for Asia. He's just going to get there in a different way than Paul wanted to get there. It's going to be indirect rather than direct. And so, my friends, this is one of God's signature actions. This is one of the ways that God works in our lives. Sometimes God works through bank shots. Sometimes God does the work through us. And even work we didn't know we wanted to do. Sometimes we end up in places that we didn't expect to go or didn't even know were out there through bank shots. Indirect rather than direct means. Sometimes we go places and it looks like we're walking in circles. I can't tell you how many times when I meet with someone, I ask them, what do you do? And they tell me what they do. And I say, did you mean to do that or did you accidentally end up there? So many people accidentally end up, right, in the places where they work. So many places kind of back in or end up and kind of, I never expected, I didn't even know this was a thing, but I had a friend who had a friend and I didn't like my job and I, I studied this or trained her to this and then went to this and went to that and suddenly I'm in this place and I love this job and I love this work. I didn't even know this was a thing. Bank shots. Sometimes God directs and leads us in indirect ways. Sometimes he closes doors to our perfectly reasonable plans in order to lead us to other places to do different kinds of work than we planned on or wanted to do. But in his kindness and his goodness, he's going to do both what Paul wanted to do and what God wanted to do in the ways that God wanted to do it. And so if God's signature is that sometimes he works through indirect means that don't always make sense in the moment, right? If God's signature is that he works sometimes through a no without a clear yes on the other side of that, if that's what God's signature often looks like, here's what signature faithfulness, look, what faithful response looks like is that we work and serve while we pray and wait and see how it's all going to turn out. We work. We serve. We have eyes wide open. While we wait and see how all this is going to turn out. My friends, are you in a place right now where you're not doing what you want to be doing? Totally get it. Fine. Keep praying. Keep asking. Keep asking God to open that door. In the meantime, where has he put you right now? In the meantime, what's right in front of you? In the meantime, who can you serve? What could you learn? Is there skills or training you could get right here, right now, while you're waiting for this thing to come about? Are there works and things that God would have you to do right here, right now? Can you do the next right thing right in front of you? And continue to pray, continue to wait, continue to trust that God is good, that he's faithful, that he's wise, and that he's at work in ways maybe you can't see or understand. In the meantime, he might be opening doors right in front of you for you to serve and make a difference in a way that you can't imagine right here, right now. My friends, throughout the course of our lives, as we're following God's lead, there's going to be times when you get God's no without a clear yes. There's going to be times when you get closed doors that don't make sense, that don't fit with your perfectly reasonable plans. 
And if you, when you're in those places and in those spaces, you get some direction, some instruction from today's beautiful signature moment of Paul and his companions. They travel from town to town to town, and suddenly God shuts the door. And this is today's wildly important take home, just gathering all those up. That God's signature sometimes looks like he refuses to get on board with our perfectly reasonable plans. Faithfulness in that space looks like prayerful, waiting, and trusting, even after our plans are disappointed. God's activity, he directs us, we wait and work and submit to his no, that always serves as larger yes. We've got to trust that and trust that even when you don't believe it, or even when it's hard to believe it. God's signature sometimes works through bank shots, indirectly rather than directly. Faithful response, so we work and we serve and we do the next wise thing, the next right thing, while praying and waiting to see how this will all turn out. Again today, as we bring this to a close, I want to invite you to reflect on what are you hearing? What stands out to you from this passage in the scripture? What stands out to you from God's signature and these people's faithful responses? So on, on your seats, there's no cards around. There's no cards sprinkled throughout in every other seat, and there's pens in the, uh, pencils in the seat pocket in front of you. I'm going to invite you to pull up the no card. Go ahead and grab a no card, and I'm going to invite you to sort of take a minute to reflect on what you're hearing and what you're seeing and what stands out to you and maybe what's God's word to you and maybe what's, what's God's word to our church community. On the left side, again, we're going to invite you to kind of respond to this prompt, God's signature from today's passage looks like blank. You don't have to write the prompt. You're just gonna, just give me, uh, give me or us a word or two words, three words or a phrase. That what is God's signature activity? What does it look? What does it look like? And what's standing out to you as you think about your own journey with the Lord? As you think about maybe, maybe even this morning, you're not a God person. We're so glad that you're here. Maybe right now the signature is you wrestling with, you've had doors closed, you've had things happen to you, and you're trying to kind of be awake to, well, maybe God's at work in my life in ways that I can't trace or see or name, or maybe I've been resistant to it. Can you name what God's signature activity looks like from this passage? And then on the right side, what's faithful response from today's passage look like? What stands out to you? Again, I've given you some words. Maybe there's some other things that you want to put in your own words. A word or two or three or a phrase that could kind of capture. What do you think faithful response looks like? What's standing out to you from this passage about what God's signature looks like and what faithful response looks like? We're actually going to give you just about 30 seconds right now to capture any words, to do any writing right now, and uh, then we'll, uh, we'll give you some instructions what to do with this in just a minute. So take a minute to do right now and to follow this prompt. Again, this morning, you've got two options, what to do with this card. For some of you, this is a card that you need to keep, take home with you. Like, you need to pray over this. This is what God is speaking to you. It's, it's really relevant to where you are right now or some hurt you're carrying or questions you're carrying. And so if this is something that God's doing in you, you just want to hold on to this, please, by all means, take it home and continue to pray through it. Option number two on the cork board on the way out, we invite you to tack it up there on that cork board and we'll contribute. We'll add to our crazy growing word cloud next week. We'll continue to pay attention to what God is saying to y'all and to us as a church. 
as we sort of gather together and gather up uh, the responses of the things that God is speaking to us, Chatham Community Church 2023. If you're at home, we invite you to put it in the chat or email us, and we'll be glad to add your contribution to the word cloud as well. My friends, good news, good news. Even when you're in a spot of confusion, even when you're in a spot that's uncertain, unclear what God's up to, he is for you. He is with you. He will not abandon you. He invites you to continue to trust him, walk with him, follow his prompt and his opening, and trust that even if there's good things you want to see happen, and God's not doing that for whatever reason, he's the God who only says no to serve his larger yes, often in us, shaping our character, shaping our spirits, our minds, and our hearts, and inviting us to persevere in his unending, never-failing love. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the signature moment with Paul and his companions. I pray for my friends who are here who feel stuck or at a crossroads, who aren't sure kind of where you are or what you're doing. Lord Jesus, would Paul's story be an encouragement and would you help us to cultivate a faithful, expectant posture? Lord, I pray for my friends who are here uh, who are trying to trust that you are good and trying to wait on you and trying to pray and be patient. Lord, today, would you just give them enough strength and journey for this day's journey, for the work here today? Lord, we believe that you're the God of the yes. I pray for my friends who are here who aren't sure they believe any of this or who are watching online. Lord Jesus, would you help us to trust you with our plans and with the future we have or dream of or imagine? And Lord, for the disappointments along the way, the dreams that have had to die along the way, would you help us to trust that you're doing something with those as well? Because some dreams have to die for you to give us new things, new dreams, new directions. Lord, we trust you. We believe that you're the God of the yes. Sometimes you work through bank shots. Help us to follow your lead and then to wait where we need to wait. Give us the strength to do that, even where it's hard. Because you are good, you're a comforter, you're kind and gracious. We receive that, want to walk in that. We pray these things in Jesus' strong and mighty name. Amen.